You know, when you give, it, it goes so much further than what you actually realize. And, and maybe some of you do. Uh, many of us have come to know the Lord at this church. And you came to know Jesus uh, through whatever circumstance. But He did something miraculous in your life. Some of you are coming to find Jesus Christ. Maybe you haven't given Him your entire life yet. But when you give, it, it, it impacts somebody's life. So always remember that. By the way, um, uh, I want to say thank you to Pastor Marsha and Pastor Charlie for speaking the past two weeks. Uh, I was on vacation, so they did an outstanding job. Thank you, Pastor Charlie, for uh, leaving them hanging last week, and now I've got to continue. But uh, it's, we're just so thankful in this season for what God is doing, thankful for this church and all of you who serve and, and support and do the things that God has called you to do. Tonight, some of you ate dinner. How many of you guys enjoyed the ahi that was prepared? you got to say thank you to Dave and Stephanie Cabreros. And I'm, I'm, I know I shouldn't have maybe said your name, but uh, we just wanted to say thank you for... They, they caught... I think they caught the fish. I'm not sure if they did. But uh, they donated it uh, so that everybody could enjoy. So we want to say thank you to them too. Now also, this is our Spruce Up Week. So Saturday, uh, we're having our Spruce Up Day from 8 to 2 o'clock, we're actually going to meet up here at 7 o'clock. And the men are going to cook us breakfast, the men's ministry. They're going to cook, cook a wonderful breakfast. Now, don't just come up to eat, okay? I mean, if you're hungry and you need food, absolutely, you can come up to eat. But at least scrub on toilet. But that's what our Spruce Up Day is for, is so that we can beautify the place. Uh, so that when God sends the people during this holiday season, they can come to find Jesus Christ. When you are expecting guests, don't you clean your entire house. But the one room you don't clean, you close the door, right? You, so you, you clean the bathroom, you wipe everything down. You act like that's how your house looks. But it's not. You get bills all over the place, food all over, scraps here and there. But you clean the place because guests are coming over. Well, this is God's house. We're His children. We're the body of Christ. So we clean up because God is bringing His guests. And so Saturday, we're going to be here from 8 to 2 o'clock. Some of you are saying, but I can't be here all day. 15 minutes. Some of, I know there's some people who have to work that day. And uh, when we have it in April, they'll come up for a half an hour. And they'll just clean windows. And then they'll say, you know, I, I, I got to go to work. Anything for the Lord is valuable. Because he says, even the small things that you do for me, it echoes into all of eternity. So even if you have a half an hour to come up and, and do something, by all means, let's, let's be a part of what God is going to be doing during this holiday season. Also, our, uh, our uh, Christmas collage concert with the Katinas is going to be happening next Monday. Okay, we got that? Next Monday. And uh, if you go to our website, there's a lot of detailed information there that, is it next week, Monday? No, following, December 10th. <laughs> I was testing you guys. <clears throat> what is today? The 28th, right? 28th, 25th. Yeah, so December 10th. So not next week, Monday. Don't come up next week, Monday. If you do, you're going to be at the Hula Sisters and Dancing Hula. So you can still come if you wanted to. But December 10th, we're having our Katina's concert. Now, let me just clarify something so that you understand this. It is an outreach event to our community as well as to our church. And for us to invite our family and friends. And the hope is that people come to find Jesus Christ. It's the whole reason why we're doing this. So it's not the type of 
surrounding or uh, the same type of environment, it would be as we have church. There's different kind of security that's going to be there that night. We're fencing off the area because you need a ticket to get in. Uh, we've already uh, put together our volunteers who will be uh, doing what needs to be done for that night. Uh, because it's a concert, the setting changes. Same Lord, same heart, but different setting. And so you need a ticket for your chair. Now, some people were asking, can I bring my, my children? We we're not going to have child care that night, right? Because it's a concert. And we want everyone to enjoy, especially our volunteers. Uh, we have given possibly close to three months in advance so that you could prepare if you have children, if someone could you know, babysit or something like that. Uh, that way you could uh, enjoy the concert. I would strongly recommend not bringing in babies, because the sound will be a lot louder than it normally is on a Wednesday or a Sunday morning. Uh, the katinas, they, they do that. And whatever the decibels are going to be, you know, that's according to how they do things. So we want to make sure that your children are safe and that they don't walk out of here uh, impaired in their hearing. Like how, remember when we grew up, when at concerts, we were right next to the speakers. Yeah! Now it's, Huh? What? I cannot hear. Yeah, we don't want that, that to happen. So be mindful of that. And it's every chair is paid for. Uh, you may be thinking, yeah, I'm going to get tickets. We're sold out. 700 tickets, gone. So, sold out. The ones that are clapping already have their tickets. Actually, there's 30. Is there still left on, online? 30. Okay, there's a, there's a couple left online. And what we did is we reserved... A lot for our congregation, but we left some online for the other churches that wanted to purchase so they could attend also. And we let our sister churches know, uh, Sure Foundation, Glad Tidings, and all the different community churches. So, but we still have a little bit left. So if you want to invite someone, you got to go online and get the ticket, okay? But it's going to be great. Our, our uh, gates are open all day. I should have just had Pastor Marsha come up here and, and share this with you. But... Uh, we will have concession stands open at 3 o'clock because some of you will come early because it's first come, first serve on your seats and no saving seats. So there's no bulletins where you can put bulletins, you cannot put napkins, you cannot put purse and bags and things like that. We will have ushers in here uh, that we hired, special service guys from the Navy SEALs that will be in here. No, it's not. Some of them think they are seals, but, but we, we will have people in here because we want to make it enjoyable for everyone. That's why we're opening up the gates that early, uh, and we're having concession stands open where you can purchase um, some food because you might be here early and you want to get in early. We'll also have dinner uh, for purchase, and I forget what the menu was. Is it the smoked turkey, chicken, something? Yeah, it's baked chicken. Okay, they already know. So it's going to be a good dinner, a good night. And then the doors are going to open at 6 o'clock. So we only have that window of opportunity to bring in 700 people. Some people were asking, is there going to be overflow in the fellowship hall? We don't need overflow because everybody's going to be in here. And this was the uh, biggest place that we could uh, hold everybody uh, for what we were looking for. And so it'll be packed. Come early. That's all I got to say. Just come early. Uh, but come with an open heart. And if you bring a, a friend or somebody who doesn't know Jesus Christ, pray that they would come to find Jesus Christ that night. Okay? That's the whole heart behind it. So, 
be there that night, okay? Well, open your Bibles, and you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, some of us still have these Bibles that have paper in them, pages, and it's at home. Bring them. Bring your Bibles to church. Yes, it's good to have our Bibles at home, but it's great to have them in the palm of our hands at church. Some of you have a, a, a phone that you use an online version of the Bible, or you have a Bible app, or you have an iPad, or a Galaxy, or a whatever else you have, uh, and you use that. But so long you have the Word of God. And when we go through the Word of God together, you can highlight some things and underline, take notes. Uh, you can also go online Sometimes you miss a Wednesday or a Sunday morning, you can go online and then you can capture uh, what the message was all about. Or you can tell your family and friends uh, that may be struggling with something and and maybe uh, you heard something on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning and you can communicate that to them them and say, hey, this this would really help uh, in the situation that you're in right now. So Wednesday nights are so we can equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's why we don't have the scriptures in your notes Uh, We just have blank lines so that you can dig deep in the Word of God and so that you can ask the Lord what He's speaking to you, how you can apply that into your life. We don't have it on our slides so that you bring your Bibles and that you can read for yourself and learn to use your Bible. I remember the first time I bought my Bible, uh, it it was an investment. I think it was, you know, $15. And I couldn't afford, you know, $15, but I thought this is an investment for my life. And I used that thing until the pages fell out. You know how even this one is kind of, it's broken, but the words are still inspired. So invest in a Bible. And I remember when the pastor would say, turn to James. I'm like, who's that? Who's, who's, who's James? Then he would say, turn to the book of John, turn to the book of, and I didn't know how to, so I'll just do this. And then, okay, <laughs> I'm there. And I wouldn't know where the book of John was. But you keep using your Bible, you'll get used to it, then you'll be able to flip through the pages. The, the Bible says this is our sword. And this is what we use for battle. And any warrior will be familiar with their sword. They don't use their sword when the battle comes. They practice with their sword when there is no battle. So when the battle comes, they're not struggling through the battle. They can just... Kinsu, and everybody's done. Okay? So First Corinthians... Uh, chapter 6. Now, I want to read from verses uh, 18 through 20. And here's how we're going to start off tonight. Flee sexual immorality. Some people leaving right now. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Then it goes on to say this. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, And that you are not your own. And here's the good news. For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We belong to the Lord. It's His Spirit. He breathed His Spirit into us and brought us to life. And so when the Bible says flee sexual immorality, what it's saying is there's there's immoral things that this world is all about. And it's it's like a bomb that is set to go off. And none of us would go near a bomb when it's set to go off. And if you have this bomb anywhere near you, you will avoid it. But sometimes what some of us do when it comes to sexual immorality is that we hang around the bomb. We just hang around. 
Now, Pastor Marsh and Pastor Charlie were talking about the miracles of Christ. And, and we concluded last week with talking about the blind man and, and, and how sometimes we're blinded by the things of this world and we're not able to see the things of God. That's why the Bible says to flee sexual immorality. What that means is when you're married, that's what sex was created for. Anything outside of marriage, that's sexual immorality. So for many of us, we don't experience the miracles of Jesus Christ because we keep blowing ourselves up. We keep hanging around the bomb. And maybe sometimes it's not sexual immorality. Sometimes it's just plain sinful things. We do things that are displeasing to God. And so we hang around the bomb. Now here's what happens. For many of us, when it comes to sexual immorality, we're close to having a kind of uh, life that sexual immorality is, is weaved in through our Christianity. And so we think it's okay. But then nothing really happens and so we have sex outside of marriage, and then we're thinking, oh, we're okay, you know, nothing's really happening, we're okay, we're fine. But that's probably because the fuse has not been lit yet. The one that lights the fuse is the devil himself. See, what he does is he says, oh, you can hang around the bomb. You can hang around the sin. You can even put it in your pocket. It's not going to bother you. It's fine. You'll be Okay. And then he says this, just consider it. Remember, that's what he said to Adam and Eve. Actually, he said that to Eve. He said, just, just consider the fruit. Just consider it. Don't, don't need to eat it yet. Don't need to touch it yet. Just consider it. And when the devil can get us to consider just hanging around the bomb, and he's got us. So the Bible says, flee from it. Don't go near it. Don't hang around it. Even if it's not doing anything, even though if it's not dangerous right now, even though if there's no repercussions, even though if there's no guilt, even though if there's no anger, he's saying flee from it because it's still a bomb. It can detonate at any time and the devil can light it at any time. But you know what the devil does? He's very sly at this. You know what he does? He, he lets us hang on to the bomb. Whatever sin it would be, he lets us hang on to it and we're, we're cool with it. And we even decorate it. We, we add accessories to it. We try to, we try to put different names on it so it doesn't sound horrible. That, oh no, I didn't have sex. We made love. So we're in love. Well, we're not married, but we're in love. So it should be okay. And so we say those things, but, and the devil says, no, you're fine. And then what he wants us to do is be so comfortable with the bomb that we start to bring in our family, our friends, people close to us. And then we bring them right close to us. And then the more people that we bring close to us, the devil waits for the opportune time. And then he looks at all the people that are around us, all of our loved ones, all those that are very close to us, the ones we love the most. And he does this. He takes a little match. He lights it. And sooner than later, sooner than you even realize, you're a ticking time bomb just waiting to explode. A pretty graphic way of opening up tonight's message. The reason is this. That's the devil's way. But here's God's way. He says, simple. 
You can avoid all of that. Just flee from the bomb. Flee from it. Get away from it. But many of us go, no, but I like the bomb. I want to go close to the bomb. It's so interesting. I've never seen a bomb like that. I don't know what to do. I like this sin. I want to hang around the sin. I, I, I like the sinful nature. I like how I used to be, and so we hang around sin. We love pride. We love arrogance. We love plotting evil. But God is saying, well, you only have really minimal options. Either blow yourself up or flee from it. It's up to you. That's, that's your choice. And it's interesting that we, we, we kind of we understand what God is saying. And we're saying, I know what you're saying, Lord, but... And then we just hang around again. And God is saying, you don't get it, do you? You, you can never experience my miracles if you do not flee from whatever it is that is causing you to sin against me. In this case, he's saying sexual immorality. And it's interesting, he says, every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Now, many of us have failed in this area, and we came back to God and we say, Lord, forgive me. And God has forgiven us. And and he says, for you were bought at a price. And then he says this, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I tell you, that's, that's good news for many of us who have been destroyed by the strategy of the devil. It's good news that God says, you were bought at a price. Yeah, but I'm all mangled up. I'm missing a leg because I got blown up. My, my, my torso is ripped open. My heart is broken. And I, I'm losing a lot of blood. I'm ready to die. And God says, I'll take you as you are. Because God is able to give us a brand new life. No matter how far we've strayed, no matter how mangled we are, if He can rise from the dead, tell me He cannot fix us when we're all mangled. That's how good our God is. We were bought at a price. He purchased us with His very own life. Now, why would He do that? Why would He do that? There's my pigeon. Why would, why would God purchase us? Now, let me ask you this question. Why would you purchase anything? There's only two reasons. You need it or you want it. That's the reason why you buy it. Now, some of you, you may go a little bit on the third part and say, because it was cheap. <laughs> you don't need it and you don't want it. So you're in a category of your own. But the reason why Jesus bought you, the reason why God sent His one and only Son, is simply because He loves you. It's not that complicated. It's because He loves you. Yeah, but you should see my life. God sees everything. You see, the miracles that God wants in our lives... It's not really for the miracle. It's really to bring Him glory. See, when God is glorified through our life, then we draw closer to Him. That's what God wants. Remember when Jesus was performing all the miracles? Crowds of people would follow Him. The feeding of the 5,000, the 4,000. When He turned water into wine, all of those miracles that Jesus did, healing the blind, all of those miracles, people followed Him. Because of that. But many still were just following him, looking for the signs and miracles. 
And Jesus says, you're, you're a crooked and perverse generation. You're a wicked generation that you seek after a sign. And what he's saying is, it's not about the signs and the wonders and the miracles. It's about who God is and our relationship with him through the miracles that he does. We've been talking about that every, everything that D- Jesus did, when it came to a miracle... Every miracle that he did, not all of them were healings. But every healing that he did were miracles. And it was so that people could glorify God. The best miracle that can happen in us is that whatever it takes place, we end up glorifying God. Whatever it would be. It could be a changed heart, a changed life. But whatever it is, that we would glorify God in it. Now, there's a couple miracles that took place and and people lost sight of the miracle, the miracle maker. They lost sight of it because they were looking just for the signs. In fact, there's one uh, miracle that Jesus performed where this man was blind and then Jesus uh, miraculously healed him and then people still questioned. And it's found in uh, the book of John. And if you want to turn there, it's in John chapter 9. Let me just summarize it a little bit, and then I'll read it. Here's a man who's been born blind. And he has the opportunity to be healed by Jesus. And it's going to be a a long chapter, okay? So just bear with me, and we'll, we'll go through it. Uh, John chapter 9, verse 1, it says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Okay, now you have to understand something. When you're blind at birth, then you have no chance to really receive your sight by the time you're at this guy's age. Because when we're born, we don't see with our eyeballs. Remember, we see with our brain. So when our eyes are clear then our brain picks up the image and then everything connects. So in babies, if they're born with maybe one eye that is a little blind in it, they have to do surgery right away. Otherwise, otherwise the one good eye will actually take over all of the nutrients and all of the cells and all the, everything that needs to function for the baby to see and the left eye will actually die or the no good eye will die. But if they can do surgery right away to correct it, then they're able to bring full sight. But this man was born blind since birth. And his disciples asked him, they said, Rabbi, who sinned? Was it this man or his parents that he was born blind? It's interesting, when something happens, we look for blame. What did I do? Did I do something wrong? God, what did I do? Was it my mom? Was it my dad? What should have I done? Jesus answered, he said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. In other words, what Jesus was saying is, there's a window of an opportunity for God's miracles. He says, I work while it is still day. There's a window of an opportunity. And Jesus knew how long he was going to be on the earth. When he had said these things, in verse 6, 
He spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, now watch this, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. He was blind, but now he can see. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is this not he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He's like him. And then he spoke up for himself. He said, I I am he. I'm the guy. It's like if somebody said, Hey, that guy, he was a... He's a star quarterback, yeah, for Hilo High. That was him, yeah? I don't know, it looks like him. I don't know, he, he kind of is. And it's like the quarterback would say, no, that is me. That's me, I can show you all my trophies. That man stood up for himself and said, no, I am he. He knew what happened. It wasn't, it wasn't by any chance that it was a mistake. He spoke up for himself. Therefore, they said to him, how were your eyes opened? He answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received sight. Now, uh, I don't know how you would receive that, but it just doesn't make sense that someone would say, No, I was blind. Someone spit on the ground, made some clay, put it on my face, on my eyes, told me to go to the river, wash it out. When I came back up, I could see. Uh, We read it in the context of a miracle. But this guy had to prove it. That's why these people are questioning him. And then they said to him, well, where is he? He said, I do not know. So right there, it's like, ah, you lie. You're lying. How can you say that this person did this and now you didn't even know where he is? You should know where he is. This guy healed you. That guy's a superstar. You should go find him. Well, they brought him, who formerly was blind, to the Pharisees. So they bring him to the religious leaders. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and I see. It's like he did a shortened version. It's kind of getting irritated already. (laughs) Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. We're talking about a blind man who can see. They're talking about a day. Sabbath. Can you see already that their, their view is skewed when it came to the miracles of Jesus Christ? That Jesus was saying, hey, you go and wash, you'll be able to see. A miracle takes place. He takes them to the religious leaders and they're the ones that says, wait, this, that happened on a Sabbath day? I pity the blind man that he's seeing. A miracle took place and they're saying, but what day is it? Was it, did, did, did it, was it yesterday, today? Oh, it was the Sabbath. I mean, poor blind guy. And then others said, well, how can this man, <laughs> poor guy, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. So now, not only are they attacking this blind man, they're attacking the guy who healed him. So now, not only are they saying, well, what day did you get healed on? What? You didn't even keep the Sabbath? And who is the guy? Who is the guy that did this? He must be a sinner too. And then the blind man said, he is a prophet. Well, they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. And he said, well, he's a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him 
that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents. How embarrassing is that? You know what? Call his dad. Call his mom. Ask them. Shame. Like if you're in high school and they call your parents to pick you up because you did something great and they can't prove it. And they say, go call his mommy. Go call his daddy. Now, this man is, he's, well, now you, you'll see his age. So they call his parents of him who had received his sight and they asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, well, we know, I, I'm, okay, this is just my, my dramatic acting non-skills right now. I'm picturing them being very timid. That They said, well, we, we know that he's our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now sees, we do not know. <laughs> or who opened his eyes, we do not know. I, we don't know. And then they kind of just throw it on the sun. But he is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. It's like they, they, they let him go. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if someone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. Now, that would cause family shame if he were to confess that he was Christ, because now they would not be able to go into the synagogue. And that was a a statement to the entire family if they were not able to enter the synagogue. So they called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. Give Him the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, You know, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. And they're speaking about Jesus. One thing I know... And now he shortens it as, as short as possible. He says, that though I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Now, we cannot read the, the anger or because it's, on, you know, it's just on paper. But you can tell that this man is just, how we would say it today, he's just over it. He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And then they reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As far as this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing. That you don't know where he is from? He has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears them. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God... He could do nothing. They answered and said to him, 
You were completely born in sins. Now they're putting him down, condemning him. And are you teaching us? This is what they did to a blind man who was healed by Jesus Christ. They cast him out. Watch the response of our Messiah, our anointed King of kings and Lord and Lord of lords. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, Now, I need us to catch this tonight. Everything is leading to this. Jesus didn't ask him what he did. What was the problem? What do you think? He didn't ask him, So do you feel it was sins? Do you think I'm a sinner? He didn't ask him any of those questions. Jesus said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered him and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and and that those who see may be blind. Jesus is a, he's, he's very wise at how he says things. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see. Therefore, your sin remains. You know, Jesus was saying, when we have a life that is given to Him and we're set free from things like this, and we understand we're sinners saved by grace, we can see a whole lot better than someone who says, I don't need God. I don't, I don't, I'm not a sinner. Yeah, I may have done things wrong, but I'm not in that category. I'm not like so-and-so. Jesus says, you can see a lot better than those who say they have no sin at all. See, the miracles that take place in our life really has nothing to do with sin. The miracles that take place in our life has everything to do with if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you believe that He is who He says He is? Because our lifestyle and the fruit of our life will prove it. And no matter what anyone says, whether they question you, whatever they do, they can even question your motives. They can even bring in your parents. No matter what anybody says, you know for sure that the miracles that Jesus did in your life is because you believe that He is the Son of God and whatever He chooses to do is up to Him And it's up to us to say, Lord, I'm going to flee from anything that blows up my life. I'm going to head in your direction. And to me, that is the greatest miracle that can be performed in a life that is able to see through the eyes of Jesus Christ. Amen. And close your Bibles and I'm going to pray. I want to close with this story. I love this story. Her name was Frances Jane Crosby, and some of you may have heard that name before. Born on March 24, 1820, 
and passed away on February 12, 1915. And she's usually known as Fanny Crosby. That's her name in the United States, and and some know her by her married name, Frances Van Alstine, in the United Kingdom. She was an American Methodist rescue mission worker, a poet, a lyricist, and a composer. Well, during her lifetime, she was well-known throughout the United States, but by the end of the 19th century, she was a household name and one of the most prominent figures in American evangelical life. And she became blind while she was an infant. Well, best known for her Protestant Christian hymns and gospel songs, Crosby was the premier hymnist of the gospel song period and one of the most prolific hymnists in history, writing over 8,000 hymns with over 100 million copies of her songs printed. And Crosby was inducted into the Gospel Music Hall of Fame in 1975, known as the Queen of Gospel Song Writers. Now, Jesus never healed the physical blindness of Fanny Crosby. But I think you could agree with me that he sure did give her a spiritual insight that no one else could touch. She never saw once in her entire life. And people who knew her said that she saw more than any other person ever did who could see. My prayer tonight is that although we see with our physical eyes, that God will give us spiritual eyes so that we could see, that we can see these things that come up, that we would flee from whatever it is that takes us away from God's very best. We're going to bow our heads for a moment, and that's what we're going to pray tonight. And I pray that a miracle takes place in your heart right now. So, Heavenly Father, as we come before you, we do believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We know that you can do miracles in our lives, but sometimes we're blinded. Maybe pride or arrogance or or maybe we just don't have faith in you that you're able to do what we know you can. And so it's our unbelief. And so I pray right now, Lord, that you will will have us sort of find our river and dip into the river and come back up with our miracle. And maybe one day we will say to other people, I was blind, but now I see. We pray these things in Jesus' name. We all said, Amen.